You're listening to Denver Orbit. Episode 16, Denver as a Muse. Welcome to Denver Orbit. Denver Orbit is an audio magazine featuring voices, stories, and music from Colorado's creative community. I'm your host, Josh Madison, and this program is not being broadcast from an underground bunker. Yet. If you happen to listen to last week's show, you may remember me hinting at a few exciting things that are happening here. And I'll tell you about them right now. Number one, we've joined the Denver Podcast Network. There's a fine roster of shows, which you can check out at denverpodcastnetwork.net. And number two, and this is personally exciting to me, we've been invited to do this show live at MCA Denver. That's right, we're going to do a live show in the cafe of the Museum of Contemporary Art in Denver. We'll have music, storytelling, and comedy. So clear your calendar for April 6th at 6.30 p.m. I expect to see all 10 of you there. I'll be posting more info as we get closer to the show at our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash Denver Orbit. And hey, while you're surfing the information superhighway, just point your computer machine over to Instagram, where I post nonsense that has nothing to do with the show, but is entertaining nonetheless. Right, now that we've gotten all that business out of the way, let's talk about today's show. Paul Caroli of the Changing Denver podcast sent over a story about a fancy cannabis dinner party. But before that, I went to a Suspect Press release party a little while ago, and I saw Carl Christian Crumholz do a reading of his comics. I thought they were so great, I asked him to see if he wanted to do that on this show. And he did. So, here it is. My name is Carl uh, Christian Crumholz. I grew up on the East Coast. I spent some time in Philadelphia. I spent some time in Boston. I've lived in Denver for about a little over 10 years. I'm a cartoonist. My work has been published by um, SLG Publishing. I've done work for uh, Modern Drunkard Magazine. I've had my work in Suspect Press, Birdie, um, even a documentary about uh, Neil Cassidy uh, animated some of my artwork. I do the Denver bootleg comic for weekly for Westward. And for the last five years, I've been doing a comic called 30 Miles of Crazy, which is named after, originally named after uh, Colfax Avenue because it's about 30 miles long. And it's basically stories about living in the city. It doesn't matter if it's Denver. I've got stories from Denver. I've got stories from Boston. I've got stories from San Francisco. As long as it's a good story, it's basically truish stories about modern life in the city. And... The majority of these stories are me, people approaching me. Because when you're when you're hanging out at a, at a bar, you know, people start you know talking about their lives and the funny things that have happened to them, and that makes great comics about modern life. This first piece is called Assumptions. Oh damn it! There's a homeless guy ahead. 
What the hell is he doing? Yelling at the sidewalk? He's gonna stop me. He's going to want something. Some change, smoke, just a talk. I'm on the open street. No one's around, nowhere to run. He's probably crazy or on drugs. Probably has a knife. Damn it, he's seen me. Excuse me, excuse me. Better uh, turn my headphones up and put on my rudest voice. Yeah. Sorry to bother you, but better watch out. Somebody did not clean up after their dog. It's right there in the middle of the sidewalk. Some people can be so rude. Um, thanks. I was giving you a heads up. Have a good day. God. I am such an asshole. Damn it. This next piece is called Prejudices. I was walking downtown one day, not really paying attention, when I heard, You're what's wrong with America, buddy! The guy being yelled at just gave a smirk in reply. The angry bro just gave an ugly look and walked away. Seeing that jocked out bro, I thought, what a dick! Then I stopped. I had not seen what happened. Why did I instantly assume that the bro was a dick? He could have been innocent. A smirking guy could have been an ass. It was an interesting insight into my own innate prejudices. But then, excuse me. Can you spare some change? Get a job, you fucking leech! You're what's wrong with America! Yeah, he was a dick. This next one's called A Scottish Goodbye. So, as the party wore on, I found myself doing a Scottish goodbye, she said. Scottish goodbye, I replied. I've always heard it called an Irish goodbye. What the hell is that, she said. I replied, it's ghosting. It's about staying on the charming side of drunk. As the night wears on, you want to leave quietly without saying goodbye. Because if you were to leave loudly, you'd likely be pulled into doing more drinks and shots. She looked at me. More booze? That sounds like heaven. Nope. Scottish goodbye is nothing like that. No, I said. She grinned. With a Scottish goodbye, you're in it for the long haul. Even after a late night, even after the host wakes up the next morning, I'll still be there, drinking his booze. I'll be drinking until you throw my ass out. That is a Scottish goodbye. It's time for another round. 
This piece is called Making the Rent. Yeah, I've lived here for years. It's always been a bad place. I was in college. There was an actual crack house next door when I moved in. I didn't care. It was what I can afford. The neighborhood grew on me. Sure, it was rough, but it had character. There was a downside, of course. Uh, there always is. The area wasn't safe. There were drugs, gangs, and homeless. A friend of mine uh, once got jumped just because he was gay. That was the neighborhood. And I always stayed because it was cheap. Then uh, things changed. First, it was good. New streetlights, repairs to the buildings, new businesses. An art gallery opened in an old warehouse. Then you realize something is missing. There may be more people, but the character is gone, leaving something bland in return. Buildings are now condos. Rents are skyrocketing. Bars are gone in a crepe cafe moved in. I have been here for 25 years and I can't afford to live here anymore. Originally from the East Coast, award-winning cartoonist Carl Christian Krumholz's work has appeared in many different publications, even a documentary. He is currently working on two different weekly comics, The Denver Bootleg, which examines local music history for Denver's Westward newspaper, and the true-ish tales of various lives in the city in 30 Miles of Crazy. Carl is always looking for a better place to get a drink. His latest comic, An Introduction to Alcohol, won Best in Show at the 2017 Denver Comic and Arts Expo. You can always find his work in Westward and at carlchristiancrumholz.com, on Twitter at carlchristiancrumholz, on Instagram at carlchristiancrumholz, and on Facebook at carl.christian.crumholz. I'll have links to all of these in the show notes. A few episodes back, we had a song from Andre Cactus. I figured since their album Layups is due out next week, We'd feature another one of their songs. So, here's the song Skyhook.
Andre Cactus' album Layups is due out next week, as mentioned, and you can pick it up at Twist and Shout Records. You can also find more at soundcloud.com slash andrecactus and Instagram at andrecactus. As per usual, there will be links in the show notes. And finally today, we are doing a crossover with the podcast Changing Denver in this episode. Paul Caroli was nice enough to send this story to us. It's about cannabis and being fancy. Fancy with your cannabis. You know what? Let's just play the story and you'll see what I mean. It's another edition of Changing Denver Bit by Bit. I'm your host, Paul Caroli. Last week, we brought you the story of Jane West, an entrepreneur working to make millions in the still-growing and rapidly changing cannabis industry. Jane got her start in the industry putting on fancy events for cannabis users who didn't fit into traditional stereotypes. There was no Bob Marley, there were no Doritos, there was no tie-dye. Instead, there was an affluent crowd of sophisticates sipping on elaborate cocktails and nibbling amuse-bouche. The city of Denver cracked down on her events, and she moved on to other things. But her impact on the post-legalization cannabis culture was undeniable. By example, she helped shape the debate over public consumption. And now, three and a half years later, we have voters approving of it under certain conditions, with last year's Initiative 300, for example. At the same time, a cottage industry of companies has followed in Jane's footsteps. They cater to the affluent, the professional, and the female, as well as a variety of other niche audiences. Some of them even throw private cannabis parties with workarounds Jane helped pioneer. While I was working on last week's episode, I kept hearing about events like this, and I was curious. My experiences with pot, even here in Denver, have been private affairs. I've enjoyed it either by myself or with a small group of friends. Maybe we'd have an edible and go see a movie. But that was the extent of our ambitions. I wanted to know what the people on the cutting edge of this industry are imagining for the future of public consumption. What it's going to look like when our societal inhibitions fall away, when the stigma disappears, and when pot is just another thing on the menu. And especially with this menu, we really try to incorporate as much hemp as possible. This is Kendall Norris. Three years ago, she founded the Mason Jar Events Group, which puts on seasonal cannabis pairing dinners and yoga events around the Front Range. Um, there's no perfect or target demographic um, over the age of 21 and, um, you know, open to a lovely evening. After I interviewed Jane West, her publicist started sending me emails about Kendall's events. She encouraged me to come to one just to see what they're like. I took her up on the offer and we arranged for me to attend a dinner called Hemp and Seed on August 31st. Before we go further, there's something I'd like you to keep in mind here as you hear all the brand names and product descriptions later on. Kendall was charging $200 per ticket to attend Hemp and Seed, but she and her team didn't ask me to pay. Normally, that's the kind of thing that would be a non-starter for changing Denver, but I figured I wouldn't be able to experience this otherwise. It's worth sharing with the wider world what these events are like, and I'll disclose the entire relationship, as I've just done. And yeah, I was excited to have one of those lovely evenings. So why not? Going out to interesting new restaurants is one of my favorite things to do. 
I love thinking about food and hospitality, and it's fun to talk about how certain flavors work together and why certain things sit this way or that way on a plate. A good meal can feel effortless, and it can be a comfortable way to relate to people over something entirely new. And that's how I was thinking about this hemp and seed event. The invitation looked fancy, with flowing green script, and the chef, Melissa Harrison, has a reputation for sustainable, local, and delicious food. I was dubious about the idea of pairing food with cannabis, but the whole thing fit so seamlessly into the world of haute cuisine, and I'd heard so much about different strains having different flavors and different effects, that I was willing to suspend my disbelief and submit to Kendall's vision of a night. But first, I had to submit my request for an invitation to the party. And with that came an agenda. Item number one, 4 p.m. Arrive to the shuttle stop, ready to go. Alright, I'm standing outside a Target in Boulder. There's a giant parking lot. I'm about to get on a big shuttle, all black. I just peeked inside and it's got a... I, I guess you call them stripper poles. I don't know another name for those. But it's a very fancy looking shuttle and... The shuttle will be taking me up to Fort Collins, where we'll be stopping at a dispensary called Organic Alternatives. Mason Jar isn't allowed to distribute or sell marijuana at the event, so they arranged a partnership with Organic Alternatives. Uh, where each passenger will disembark by a quote-unquote goodie bag full of uh, cannabis products that will be paired with food that we're receiving. I was the first person on the shuttle, but I didn't have to wait for long. A few groups of two to four middle-aged folks climbed the steps and picked their seats soon after. They grabbed a couple complimentary waters, and excited thrum of noise filled the shuttle. There was only one other person on the shuttle without a group, and she was sitting across from me. She pulled out a big DSLR camera and snapped some shots. I thought she might have been covering the event, so I struck up a conversation. She told me her name was Pinky, spelled P-I-N-Q-U-E and that she'd been to five or six of these events before. You'll love it, she said, whenever our conversation slowed to a halt. I think she could tell I was nervous. It turned out that Pinky was not working the event, but she does work in the industry. She leads tours called 420 Safaris. Apparently that means that she takes groups of people to get stoned and walk around and take pictures of stuff. It's kind of a fun idea, right? I took her business card. 20 minutes into our journey, Pinky fired up a vaporizer and offered me a hit. No thanks, I said. I'm saving myself for the meal. She smiled and passed the vaporizer around to our fellow passengers. And as Pinky ingratiated herself with the rest, I fidgeted with the peeling black leather seat and eavesdropped on the conversation swirling around me. One couple was visiting from Australia to celebrate the woman's 40th birthday. One woman owned an edibles company in Boulder. Two men assured each other that just because the sky was overcast, it didn't necessarily mean rain was going to come during dinner. One group was discussing Chef Harrison's 2009 appearance on Bravo's award-winning reality cooking competition, Top Chef. My stomach grumbled. I love that show. Another 30 minutes passed. I was texting with my wife when Pinky weaved her way back between the stripper poles to our section of the shuttle. She grabbed her camera again, smiled at me, knelt down, and snapped a photo of my foot. I must have been giving her a quizzical look, because she smiled again and said, I just want to get some photos of the shuttle. I didn't understand what she saw in my foot, 
but I must have liked the attention. I have written down in my notebook, Pinky sure is a hoot. A few more passengers started lighting up joints, and by the time we pulled into Organic Alternatives in Fort Collins, the atmosphere was a little raucous. One of the men playfully swung around a stripper pole, winning hoots and hollers on his way out the door to the dispensary. Our handlers guided us into an event space next door, offered us a selection of pretzels, trail mix, and popcorn, and told us that we can either pick out one of the t-shirts laid out in piles on the room's lone table, or a baseball cap next door. One by one, they walked us out onto the street and around into organic alternatives. A bearded man handed me my goodie bag, and I gave him $25 in return. Back in the waiting area, I poked through the goodie bag. Inside was a handful of stickers, pamphlets, and other promotional material, as well as a large white pouch bursting at the childproof seam with a Wonka-esque selection of pot products. There were a couple of little baggies full of flour, two pre-rolled joints, a bottle of purplish liquid that claimed to taste like blueberry and chamomile. There was also a small jar of orange goop, and the big ticket item, a rechargeable vaporizer pen. I popped on my new Organic Alternatives hat, black and purple, because go Rockies, I guess, and hopped back on the shuttle. There were a bunch more new passengers with us for this final leg, and for the first time, some of them were people my age. One such group sat next to me and started assembling their new vape pens. They chatted about cannabinoids and terpenes and other science-sounding cannabis stuff for a few minutes. Then the man offered me a hit. I demurred again. But before the conversational opening closed, my journalistic instincts took over, and I posed an incisive question. Do you all know what this orange goop is? The woman next to me explained that it was a highly concentrated form of cannabis that you use for dabs. What are dabs, I asked. The man across from her did the thing with his arms and they laughed. I felt bad and looked around for Pinky. The woman next to me took pity on me and explained. Turns out that she actually manages a team that makes this type of thing. And she said that to ingest the concentrate, or wax, or shatter, as it's sometimes known, you have to have a rig. That includes a nail, a water pipe, and a torch. The idea is that you heat up the nail, apply it to a tiny amount of this concentrate, then use the pipe to inhale. She offered to show me when we got to dinner. Now normally, knowing more about something makes it less scary, but that's not what was happening to me. This talk of nails and torches was very, very intimidating. So I told her, yeah, maybe, and jammed my jar of concentrate deep, deep into the goodie bag. The shuttle, meanwhile, was winding its way through the patchwork of dirt roads, farms, and oil derricks of Weld County. Around 6.30, we arrived at our destination, a hemp farm outside Millican. Thankfully, the group was too focused to partake in any impromptu pole dancing as we disembarked this time. Just walking off the bus, Millican. The sun is setting. It's very pastoral. There's a large house with an American flag. Long, two long tables set with glassware, flatwares, sun chokes. Lots of very happy, smiling people. Some of them, hi. 
On the other side of the shuttle, a line was forming, and a small group of smiling employee types were passing out name tags and welcoming us to our lovely evening. After I got my name tag, I wandered around a bit. A rusty old red pickup truck with the Organic Alternatives logo spray-painted on its driver's side door was parked at one side of the clearing. Beside the bar, there was a couple of tables with a bunch of pot and related products to sample. I wasn't quite ready to cross that threshold, though, so I chatted with a few people waiting in line for a drink. Um, anyway, so what's your name? Uh, Tim McDowell. And what do you do for a living, Tim? Uh, so I'm the co-founder of Markaha, which is an infused products company. We've been around in Denver since 2010. Uh, how'd you find out about the event? Uh, we're one of the sponsors, and uh, we've done some work with the Mason Jar in the past. And one of our great clients, uh, Organic Alternatives, is the uh, the main sponsor. Um, can you describe maybe what you see? Uh, this is a one-of-a-kind event. I've been to a lot of events in the last eight years. Like this? Uh, not like this. And that's, uh, I mean, we're in a hemp field. There's two massive farm tables that are set up beautifully for dinner. The sun's setting over the Rocky Mountains, and there's a band playing. It's amazing. As I shook Tim's hand, he pointed me over to one of the sampler tables. That's where I could try some Markaha products, he said. So I ambled over, and a lanyard-wearing fellow in a polo shirt greeted me with a smile. Can I tell you about Markaha products, he said. Sure, I said, but I think I already recognize the blueberry chamomile beverage you've got up front. He went ahead and told me anyway that the blueberry chamomile thing was an indica infusion. The indica maximizes the relaxation and calmness from the chamomile, he said, before offering me a sample of its sister product, a cold brew coffee drink infused with sativa. I pointed to a line of smaller bottles in the back and said I wanted to try whatever was in there. He grabbed one, unscrewed it, and to my surprise, out came an eyedropper full of a viscous orange liquid. This is a tincture, he said, as if that explained much of anything at all. I was already committed, so I grabbed it from him, cocked my head back, held it up to the sky, and asked if he'd hold my glasses. No! You put it in your mouth! My cheeks flushed, and I squirted the dropper out over my mouth instead. A few drops dribbled off the side of my tongue onto my shirt. I think he was disappointed in me. I handed the dropper back and walked away in shame. I fled to the bar, where sweet-safe alcohol awaited with its familiar norms and safe methods of imbibing. Again, I struck up a conversation while waiting in line. All right, so could you tell me your name, please? Steve. Wait a second here. <laughs> okay. Before I turned on my recorder, Steve offered me a very different name. Now, you just said, you just told me what your affiliation with the event is. Can you repeat that, please? I'm the owner here. Of the farm? Of the farm, the property. So, what do you think about the event? I'm just kind of amazed about the whole turnout here and stuff. I'm just not sure what I expected or uh, how it's all going to turn out here. Can you describe just like what it looks like for me? It's quite an elegant event here. Uh, that's about the best I can do. How'd you get involved? Uh, my son, Brady, is uh, brought the people over here with, uh, with the investment on the farm and whatnot. So I just kind of said, well, let's give it a shot. But this is our first year for growing the hemp. How, how many acres? Uh, for the hemp, we're about three acres with the hemp here. Well, thanks for taking the time. When the recorder was off again, 
Steve asked me not to reveal the location of his farm. He said he didn't want any thieves coming to steal his hemp plants. I didn't understand that at the time, but a couple of weeks later I got the chance to meet another hemp farmer. He certified Steve's concerns and told me that it's actually pretty familiar for farmers that have taken up the crop since the U.S. Farm Bill legalized industrial hemp grows in 2014. Apparently, young people regularly sneak onto these hemp farms and steal the plants, thinking they're going to be able to smoke them and get high. As Steve and I were laughing about the misguided youth of today, the music dropped away and Kendall Norris approached the mic. I grabbed a seat and settled in for dinner. Thank you guys so much for being here tonight on this beautiful Colorado late summer evening. It's always a privilege to do these events and work with these brands and just see all these beautiful faces. Um, so again, thank you for being here. Um, so everyone has a menu. That's this guy right here. And this menu outlines the, what we're having for dinner this evening and also your pairings that go with each of the courses. You'll notice that there is, um, whoa, that got loud. There's, um, the pairings are noted in italics. First course, smoked trout lettuce wraps with creme fraiche, trout roe, and shallot agridolce, paired with organic alternatives clementine kush flour and a blueberry chamomile summer sipper. Second course, mini hemp zucchini bread muffins served with duck bacon and onion marmalade, paired with organic alternatives, banana OG flour. Third course, heirloom tomato salad with melon, radish, and basil. Fourth course, wagyu tri-tip served with chimichurri sauce, nasturtium flowers, and local greens. Paired with Organa Brands and Organic Alternatives Collab, Clementine Kush Oil, in the Open Vape Craft Oil Cartridge. Dessert Course Colorado-grown grilled peaches served with pillows of meringue, local honey, and Evo Hemp Crunch. Featuring Extract Consultants Taste Buds Flavor of Summer Peach. Suffice to say, I was hungry. But the speeches were still happening. After Kendall was done, Steve took a turn to talk a little bit about what made his field special. Then a couple of people from Organic Alternatives took over to tell us about why their weed was unique and different. Then a couple more people, this time from a company called BDS Analytics. Each speech was seemingly less and less connected to the evening than the one prior. And I wasn't really sure what was happening at all. I'd never been to a fancy restaurant where the owner came out to give a speech about his stainless steel kitchen appliances. Thankfully, after a few more minutes, the speeches were over and servers brought out large silver bowls full of tomato melon salad and placed them in between guests, four or so to a bowl. Family style. Okay. I unfolded my napkin put it on my lap, and spooned out a serving of what the menu led me to believe was going to be the third course. It was pleasant, nothing special. There was no pairing listed on the menu, so one of my table mates fired up a vaporizer pen and started passing it around. I was eager to put the tincture debacle behind me, so I took my turn. So what if I go off menu a little bit? Nothing wrong with a little a la carte. 
The smoked trout wraps came next, family style again. The sun was down at this point and I was getting a little chilly. Unfortunately, it was another cold dish. No hearty warmth to be found here. But I did have a recommended pairing this time, and damn it, I was going to do it. The instruction was to enjoy the wraps with the blueberry chamomile thing and the clementine kush flower, so I rummaged through my goodie bag and pulled out both. The flower was sealed away in its own little baggie, so that took a minute to open. Then there was the question of combustion. Each table setting came with its own branded one-hitter and lighter, along with the fork and spoon and knife, but there was no grinder in sight. I must have looked confused because my neighbor leaned over at this point, pointed at the bud in my hand, and said, just fluff it up a little. To me, that meant using my fingers and palm as a mortar and pestle until the bud was ground down. I filled up the pipe, took a hit, and enjoyed the fruit of my labors. The band was playing again, and up and down the tables, smiling faces, white and black, old and young, were lit with flickering candlelight. The pot was starting to hit me, and as I cut my first bite of trout wrap, a server set down a plate of sliced beef. I was caught off guard, but my neighbor was ready for it. He hungrily forked a portion onto his plate. Did no one else care that this was happening too fast? Was anyone else even attempting the pairings? I took my bite and tried to focus. This is fun, I told myself. Think about the flavors of the beet kimchi and the clementine kush. How are they interacting? But it was really just dry. The scent of pot overwhelmed any aroma from the food, and my palate was poisoned by smoke. I tasted no trout or much of anything else. Now normally I'm a pescatarian, meaning that I'll eat fish but not beef or chicken or other meat. But I will make exceptions if, say, my wife's grandmother is cooking her signature pork and green chili, or if I'm at a particularly exciting restaurant. I was planning to make such an exception for this Wagyu tri-tip, but after the listless salad and desiccated trout, I made a decision. No beef tonight. It's not worth it. There's going to be excess over here. I'm a vegetarian. Oh, sweet. <laughs> yeah, you, you can enjoy, man. I am not. <laughs> Half a platter of trout wraps remained. I steeled myself for another helping of bland sustenance. The food had failed to provoke or inspire, so my mind started to wander off-plate. Yes, the tincture was probably coming into play at this point, but I was getting... Suspicious isn't the wrong word, but let's just say that my spidey sense was tingling. And I started asking a little more of my dinner companions. Every single one of them, it turns out, was a passionate, ambitious participant in the cannabis industry in some form or fashion. They had detailed, thoughtful opinions about strain names, regulations, and how legalization was being implemented in California. As a casual consumer, I was learning a lot, but I was also overwhelmed and kind of uncomfortable. See, I'm still dubious about the difference between indica and sativa, and I'm sure I was making faux pas after faux pas. At least one for sure. I said something about the capacity for alcohol to have a negative effect on someone's life and compared that to some of my acquaintances' experiences with marijuana. My neighbor, who is otherwise a pretty friendly guy, gave me this stone-faced look and said, that's if you consider alcohol and cannabis in the same category, or something like that. 
And yeah, I confess that I do. I'm not an uncritical booster of the cannabis industry as such. I'm just not. I have reservations. And that's what set me apart from this crowd. Fortunately, as our conversation died, more sponsors got up to address the crowd. They didn't capture quite as much of our collective attention as before, but they powered through nonetheless, enumerating the potentials of terpene technology and the nutritional benefits of hemp seed. Alienated from my companions and disinterested in the speechifying, I sought refuge in my notebook. Here's what I wrote. I came to this dinner to catch a glimpse of the future of cannabis. I wanted to see post-prohibition cannabis culture on display. I'm looking around, and I think I found it. The problem is, there's not much culture happening here at all. All I see is industry. I guess I thought about this event all wrong. It's not a fancy dinner for the rich and canna curious. It's the folksiest, lumineersiest, sexiest, Pinterest work conference I've ever been to. And it's... I had to turn my recorder off because it started to rain. That's why the sounds went away there for a second. But I'm recording on my phone now. I just wanted to say that it's changing Denver. Changing Denver is a proud member of the Denver Podcast Network. In the shadow of the mountains, we speak. This third season of Changing Denver is being supported by Industrious, a new premium co-working space opening downtown this December. I'll be producing the show there, so come stop in, say hi, and take a tour. Thanks this week to Kendall Norris and the whole Mason Jar Events Group family. Thanks as always to Ray Rinaldi at Confluence, Dave Ashton and Maeve Conran at KGNU, and Megan Ariano, the indica to my sativa. Our theme song is Minnow by Felix Fast Forward. The other song you heard in this episode is Marathon Man by Jason Shaw. I'm your host, Paul Caroli. The story is actually a follow-up to changing Denver's profile of Jane West, a Denverite whose cannabis dinners in early 2014 offered one of the first strong visions of what pot culture could look like in a post-prohibition world. It's worth listening to both, if you get a chance. Paul Caroli is the host and founder of Changing Denver and community manager at House of Pod, a new podcast-centric co-working space in downtown Denver. You can listen to Changing Denver at changingdenver.com or on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, etc. You want some links? Well, we'll have them in the show notes. And I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that Denver Orbit is always looking for submissions. Music, conversations, stories, poetries, interviews, sound art, just about anything, really. So, drop me a note at denverorbit at gmail.com and let's make something together. Denver Orbit is produced, edited, and designed by me, Josh Madison, and I'll be back with another show in two weeks. Yeah.